shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. David, you know we're working to get Lauren Aikens and Thomas Rat on the podcast. Yes, and I cannot wait, but they are kind of busy, so... So in the meantime, at least we get to keep up with Lauren on her podcast, Live in Love. Season three just started, and they are talking about parenting. I love how real Lauren gets when she chats with Annie F. Downs. They have such meaningful conversations with their guests talking about what it looks like to live and love in different areas of life. And in this season, Lauren is also talking with friends and family members in her parenting village who are helping her raise her girls. And we even got to be included in that, which was such an honor. And we certainly believe it takes a village. So check out Lauren Aiken's podcast, Live and Love. She's an inspiring voice you'll love having on your parenting team. Lisa Qualls and Melissa Corkum are the founders of The Adoption Connection, which offers free resources for adoptive families in need of wisdom and hope for their journey. Lisa and her husband, Russ, are the parents of 12 children by birth and adoption and former foster parents. Lisa co-authored The Connected Parent with Dr. Karen Purvis. Lisa is a trust-based relational intervention practitioner and certified Enneagram coach. Melissa and her husband, Patrick, are parents to six children by both birth and adoption. Melissa is an Enneagram coach, safe and sound practitioner, and empowered to connect parent trainer. Together, through the Adoption Connection, they provide practical resources rooted in their faith in Jesus and backed by neuroscience 
to bring hope to adoptive families. We have so much respect for the two of you and the work you are both doing in the world. And we want to talk about all that. But where we want to start is how you found your way to that work. But also, if you tell us a little bit about your families. Well, my name is Melissa Corkum, and my husband, Patrick, and I live just north of Baltimore. And we have six kids, two by birth, four through adoption. So of those four adopted, one born in Korea and three born in Ethiopia, I'm also an adult adoptee from Korea, and we have two grandchildren. Wow, that's wonderful. And I'm Lisa Qualls. I've been married to my husband for 38 years. We are high school sweethearts, got married as undergrads in college. We live in North Idaho, and together we had seven children. And then in 2006, began this incredible process of adopting four children from Ethiopia I am also a birth or first mom. My first son was born when I was a young teen, when I was actually in foster care, and he was placed for adoption. Mm. So adoption has been a theme, a thread that God has woven through my life for a long, long time. So at home right now, most of my kids are grown. I have a 20-year age span from mid-30s to 16, and we have two teenage boys still home. Wow. Incredible. That is incredible. And you're a grandma too. Oh, yes. And I have two <laughs> granddaughters, both born this year. Oh, it's been amazing. Wow. What a sweet reward because parenting's hard work. Mm. You know, it's a lot of work. And these sweet little girls, oh, we're just, our hearts are full. Oh, sounds like both of your hearts are full with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people. <laughs> yes. Well, we're excited to talk about those people, to talk about your work. And for any of our listeners who are, not familiar yet with the amazing things that the two of you are offering just to connect folks with your great work. And so we'll start with one part of that. And Lisa, say to you that we have recommended the connected child and the connected parent to more parents than we could even imagine. There's just no telling how often we've talked about those resources. And just would love to ask you, how did you first intersect with Dr. Karen Purvis? And What did you hope to accomplish in writing The Connected Parent? So I started blogging in 2006 when we were in the beginning of our adoption process, and I was just blogging my way through it. And one of my readers actually recommended The Connected Child to me, and I hadn't heard of it. It was still a new book. So I read it, and I remember thinking that this was a whole new way of looking at a lot of the things that we were dealing with as parents. And so I began to blog about it as I was learning what I was understanding and what I was trying to apply in my family, you know, and people started responding to that. And then I had the opportunity, I was at a conference and I met Michael and Amy Monroe and Michael and Amy Monroe founded the Empowered to Connect with Dr. Purvis. Mm. So through them, I met Dr. Purvis and I don't know, the Lord just did amazing things. I ended up speaking with them, writing for them. And it was during that time that I was traveling and speaking that I was thinking a lot about the book that we were eventually going to write. What I was experiencing was I was so very, very thankful for the professionals who had written books for parents like me, who had children who had faced so much adversity and early childhood trauma, and 
they were different from my other kids. Their needs were so very different. And so I had to learn a new way of parenting them. And so I was really thankful for all the experts, but I also had this strong sense of these are fantastic ideas and they have no idea what it's like to live my life. Mm -hmm. So it was a mixture of complete respect and gratitude. And, but what if I could actually talk to a parent who's doing this the way Mm -hmm. I'm doing it? So I had an idea for a book that would blend theory and practice, professional and parent. And I sat down with Dr. Purvis at breakfast one morning before a conference and I told her my idea and she thought it was a great idea. And that is how it all began. Wow. We're thankful for that conversation. Yes, we are. Me too. I was so scared. I was really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was one of those things where I had to kind of take a leap. Yes. I still, honestly, sometimes I can't believe she said yes. Mm. I feel deeply honored Mm. to have written this book with her. Mm. Well, we're sure grateful for it. And Melissa, we love the resource of Faith, Hope, and Connection, and would love for you to talk a little bit more about that too. Yeah. So when Lisa and I first started working together, one of the first things we did in person, actually, I think it was the first time we met in person. So we worked a whole year together without actually meeting in person. I always joke that we did exactly what we tell kids never to do, which is meet a friend online and then form a legal (laughs) relationship with them before ever meeting in person. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, it it is a little (laughs) bit crazy. (laughs) So we were preparing to speak at the Refresh Conference, which happens sometimes on the West Coast for foster and adoptive parents. And years ago, there had been a devotional. And and Lisa said, "I, I think it's time to do another one. I would love to have this opportunity to do this. And I love a new techie project. And so I thought, you know, Amazon makes it so we can publish our own books. We should just do it that way rather than having to figure out how much it's going to cost to print and how much, how many copies we have to print. And we could just upload it there and they'll print it on demand for us. So we reached out to 28 of our adoptive and foster parents, both dads and moms, and invited them to write a devotional Mm. for parents who were really struggling and needed hope. The entries started pouring in. Lisa and I each wrote one. And so we just compiled this really thoughtful and, you know, people credit it to us because it has our names on the front, but really we had such a small part in it. The writing is really the gift of so many other parents. And so, you know, when we sell it to people, we, you know, we say, you know, this really isn't about us. Like we are gifting you with the perspectives of 30 different foster and adoptive parents. And so there's something there for everyone. Mm. Mm. Love that so much. Well, and the gathering of those perspectives, those voices, that kind of community is one of the many things that the two of you do that just astounds me. And I'm so grateful for when I think about the kinds of resources you all are offering to parents in those spaces. And so we love to just camp out there for a few mm-hmm. minutes. And will you all talk about some of your offerings, many of which are completely free to parents? I just would love for you to talk about the different things you offer to adoptive and fostering parents. Well, we do offer a lot of different things, but probably one of the ways people often find us is through our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, The gift of podcasts is that it is completely free to everyone, and people can listen when it works for them at their time and in their way that they do it. And we have 
had lots of really wonderful guests. We sometimes will repurpose things that we've written or done in the past and share those. We do workshops. So we try to make it a very rich, kind of varied content. We also answer readers' questions or listeners' questions. They'll send them to us and we'll sit down and just talk it through like we were sitting around a table with coffee with this person. And so the podcast is probably one of our biggest free offerings, but we have more. Yeah. And for those of you who love listening to David, David was actually one of those workshop participants and that aired on the podcast. You can find him there as well. We also have a free Facebook group, which I think is another huge offering. Back when there were less resources and not podcasts, actually probably Yahoo groups or like chat boards were where we were connecting with parents and asking these desperate questions. But for all the things that you know, we love and hate about Facebook. Facebook groups in particular have really been a place for adoptive parents to build community and get connected with families in situations that, you know, it's almost impossible to find a local family in person that's kind of walking, you know, yes. there are not many families, for instance, who have adopted older children out of birth order from Ethiopia, right? And so we can connect with families who have those pieces of our stories in common. And that means a lot to families. And so, you know, we call our little corner of the internet, the kindest corner of the internet. We know mm. social media and Facebook aren't always safe places, but we try really hard to try to keep the conversation authentic, but also hope-filled and kind of a little bit balanced. And so you can find that at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. And the podcast is The Adoption Connection. So that's kind of how we are in all the places. I love that y'all have created that because I think it can be an isolating experience for so many people. And so to create that community, invite others in, and for it to be a safe place is just beautiful. You all, thank you so much. Sissy, you know how much we rely on the Bible in our counseling work, right? Absolutely. I don't know what I do without the truth of God's Word to guide us every day. Yes, but could you imagine not having access to a Bible? Could you imagine parents not having access to a Bible to help encourage them and guide their parenting? Oh, I cannot imagine that. The Bible is one of the best tools a parent can have in their parenting toolbox. That's why I love what Crew is doing to make sure people all over the world have access to the Bible. Crew has missionaries in almost every country on earth, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. But there's just one thing those people are missing, a Bible in their own language. David, I bet our listeners can meet that need. For only $25, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $25 as a thank you, Crew will also provide meals to 15 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry, plus you'll receive a free copy of our book, Are My Kids on Track? Simply text RAISING to 71326 to start helping today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text RAISING, R-A-I-S-I-N-G, to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash RAISING. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. This season of our podcast, it's called Raising Emotionally Strong and Worry-Free Kids. And so we would love to know from y'all's perspective, the families you serve, 
What do you think helps them become emotionally strong and worry-free? Well, I love the thought of emotionally strong. We talk a lot about the nervous system, polyvagal theory, how to build resilience in nervous systems, both us as parents and the kids that we're raising. Mm. I'm not naturally a worrier, but also recognize that there's a lot of things to worry about as parents. One thing we tell a lot of parents, regardless of what they're thinking about or worrying about, that part is kind of normal. I mean, Mm. there's a point I think where worry gets like out of control, obviously, but there are so many expectations, I think, for parents and especially adoptive and foster parents. And so a lot of what we do is kind of meeting families and parents where they are. And we hear some really vulnerable things about how they're feeling about their kids and what they're worried about. And so trying to at least start at that point and saying like, oh yeah, we all, like, you're not the only one who's worrying about that. You know, you can't really stop the worry part, but then it's like, how do we get to the emotionally strong part after that? Yeah. Great way to say that. Yes. When I was thinking about that question, I was thinking, so what is it that I do to help my kids be emotionally strong and worry-free? Melissa kind of touched upon this, but children who've experienced early adversity, children who've come to our families later, you know, their nervous systems are fragile and their brains are often wired to be very vigilant. Mm. They're watching for danger. They're watching for people to be distrustful and things like that. So we have to work a whole lot harder, I think, at helping our children be worry-free. And the way we do that, we talk a lot about felt safety. Like we know our children are safe, but deep, deep within them, they may not know that. And so the best way I know to increase felt safety and what we talk about a lot at the Adoption Connection is to really give our children the balance of structure and nurture. Mm. We don't want to be so high structure that we aren't giving them the nurture and care and tenderness that these kids need. But we also don't want to fall in the other side of the ditch, you know, where we're all caring and compassionate and everything's running off the rails. And so we have to find that balance, I think, to provide true, deep felt safety for our kids. And for parents who, who have a spouse or a co-parent, I think we see a lot that one parent may be high structure, naturally high structure, and one parent may be a little naturally high nurture, which is really beautiful when you both know it and you can be balanced for each other. It can create a little tension when you don't know it. And one parent wants to parent this way and the other wants to parent that way. And so ideally, we want to learn about this and learn about ourselves and then come to some real balance so that our kids feel this very... Like we're steady, you know, home is steady. We are steady as parents. And that I think gives them the best chance at feeling deeply safe and as worry free as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What is something looking back to for both of you, your early years of parenting that you worried about as a parent that you wish you hadn't? We've been parenting for a long time between the two of us. We were talking about this earlier, actually. And I was joking. So one of our grandkids lives with us with our daughter. So we're having this experience where we're not full-time parenting, but we're kind of helping to raise a toddler 20 years after we raised our first. And I look back at what 
I was like as a young mom and it's just laughable. And so in a lot of ways, I think like everything, you know, like some of our worst parenting fears. I think when we talk to parents, the top fears are things like, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, pregnancy, and prison. And we've had all of that in our house at some point in time. And like, Mm. we're still all okay. Like we all survived. And so I think the things that I'm worrying about now, all right, I'm just trying not to worry a ton (laughs) because Mm. there's so many years now. And I think the biggest revelation was, it sounds kind of silly, but realizing like how much I didn't actually have control, like how much Mm. our parenting was contributing to the path of our kids' lives. But ultimately, yeah, we really just didn't have control. And and actually, when I let go of that and really leaned into that and started defining success by what I could do and what was on my side of the fence and not on things that I ultimately couldn't control, like their behaviors and what their futures were and where they ended up, then that also led back to what we were talking about, worry, a lot less worry, because I wasn't trying to control things that I couldn't. I think for me, I worried far too much about what people thought about the way I parented and how my kids were, quote, turning out. Mm. You know, like, did they appear to be successful in the eyes of the world? Did they appear to be good? Were they well-behaved? You know, these kinds of things. When I think back, I was by nature very concerned with relationship with my children and with their hearts, but I think I was distracted somewhat by worrying about what other people thought. And the amazing thing is, you know, I've got kids in their 30s, you know, all the way down to 16. And so I do have the blessing of seeing these kids. I worried about all these things and they're wonderful adults (laughs) and they have Mm. good lives, you know? So I think I, I worried about too many things and way too much about what other people thought. Mm, yeah. Are you interested in pursuing a career centered on the healing and wholeness of individuals, couples, and families? At Fuller's Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy program, you can work alongside a supportive community of faculty and students who are committed to the formation of heart, soul, and mind to further God's mission of redeeming the world. Fuller provides students with a clinical training to become skilled marriage and family therapists. You will have the opportunity to engage in a broad range of therapeutic and spiritual formation practices, including exercises that simulate the counseling experience in real time. Licensed faculty members help equip students for their career and connect them with internships. Fuller students are not only widely recognized as the best trained in their field, but also have one of the highest pass rates for the state licensing exams. If you feel passionate about becoming an agent of healing and reconciliation in the world, go to fuller.edu slash raising boys and girls to learn more about Fuller's MS in marriage and family therapy program. As we're talking about emotions with kids and families, we talk about arming ourselves with truth and having a foundation that we can go back to, whether it's worry, whatever it is. And would you all say there are some truths that you've hung on to over the years that have really helped you get through and helped you not worry as much? Well, I think for sure, we both lean pretty heavily on our faith. You know, when we started the Adoption Connection, we had debated a lot about how to kind of frame this. And on one hand, we wanted it to feel accessible to anyone, and it is, but we couldn't 
not talk about our faith because some of the stories mm-hmm. that we hear and the the experiences of our own families are really heavy to carry alone. And so I think just the truth that we're not in this alone and that there's a God who's bigger, who cares as much and more for our families than we do. Like, you know, there's some things where we get to the end of ourselves, you know, where we have reached out to every resource. We've done everything we can possibly think of. We have offered our children every resource and opportunity. And we've done that with other families that we serve. And and we still find ourselves sometimes in seemingly impossible and very hard situations. And at those points, I think, I don't know how either of us could continue to serve families or do the work that we do without some knowledge that there was a greater purpose, something beyond what this was, and a hope that was beyond getting this parenting thing right, reading all the right books, and you know, saying the right things to our kids. When I think about probably the truth that is most foundational for me is my firm belief that God is good mm. and that He is sovereign and He is active in my life and that my children are on their own journey with God. I would love to spare them from pain. I would love to spare them from poor decisions, but they're on their own journey. And God is has not just forgotten them and let them drift away into... He's active in their lives. And so... That frees me to be a steady, loving, trustworthy, in the kind of the language of circle of security, to be a secure base for them that they can come to. Because if I can fully trust that God is active in their lives, then I don't have to do as much worrying. I can just be steady, secure, and hopefully represent to them the way the Lord is to us. He does not leave us. Mm. He loves us and he is always near. And so obviously I fail at it on a regular basis, but that is my heart Mm. for my children to be that and to represent that for them. What are one or two things that you all would want to communicate to any parent on the journey of fostering or adoption? When we work with parents, especially those who are really struggling to kind of stay emotionally in the journey or are struggling to sometimes even like their kids. Like, it sounds crazy, but we talk to parents all the time who are like, I love them and I don't want to be in the same room with them (laughs) right now. Yes. Yes. I think just acknowledging that there's a lot of grief on the adoption and foster care journey, both for our kids and the losses that they've experienced. You know, we talk a lot about trauma and early adversity. And inevitably we hear from families, oh, but I adopted my child at birth or I was there when they were born or they were a baby or there wasn't any abuse that we know of in their past. But we know that whenever a child changes primary caregiver, and for some of our kids that has happened numerous times, we were the fifth placement for our little guy who was born in Korea. And Mm. we don't know of any actual reportable trauma but that was big on his nervous system. It changed the way he expected caregivers to treat him or go or stay or not stay. And then we as parents come into this journey with expectations. You know, personally, we came in thinking that we were going to have this all under control because I was an adoptee. I knew how to be adopted. So surely we knew how to raise kids who were adopted. And our first adoption was a Korean adoption. And so there wasn't this like, he'll be the only Korean in the family. Like, you know, there's, a Korean aunt and uncle. There's a 
an adoptive mom who's Korean, like all these things we thought, oh, it'll just be fine. And so this gap between our expectations and reality is big for our kids, especially our older kids who came to us older and had expectations of what living in a family would be like and what it would be like to move to America. And so I think that gap, recognizing that and recognizing all of the feelings that come with that and and the stress, and then also thinking about how that, you know, changes our behavior. Like I wish someone had told me what would happen when I got that stressed out and what I would look like as a parent, because I could have been on the lookout for that <laughs> and not had it, you know, train wreck our entire family. Mm. Thank you. Sissy, you know, every parent has had that moment when they look at their child and know something is off. Oh, you mean like when we were at Disney and we looked at Henry and felt like he might be about to throw up everywhere? You guys should have had the relief band. <laughs> I wish I'd known about relief band then. That's why I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. Relief band is the number one FDA-approved anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Every parent and aunt should have relief band on hand or in their first aid kit. I use it when I'm traveling. The peace of mind relief band provides makes it worth every penny. Relief band is a band you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea. It uses technology that works with your body, so it's safe, drug-free, and has zero side effects. It's that simple. Plus, Relief Band both treats and prevents nausea, so you can help stop nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. It's a must-have for every road trip. So if you always have a flashlight on hand for a blackout or a first aid kit on hand for emergencies, then you need a Relief Band for those unexpected nausea moments. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Raising Boys and Girls listeners. Go to reliefband.com and use promo code RBG to receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code RBG for 20% off plus free shipping. David, did you get your taxes finished? What did you say? What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. 
On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Following that, you know, Melissa touched on the gap between our expectations and our reality. And when I think back to the very beginning, before we even adopted, when we were just in the early process, our thought was we have a beautiful family and a very loving family. And there are children who need that. They don't have it. And it's absolutely true that there are so many children who need families. And so we thought, we're going to sort of scoop up these children and bring them into our beautiful, loving home, and we're going to continue on this path that we've been walking on for all these years as a family. And that was not our reality. Our reality is that we actually struggled to stay on that path. We did. We struggled to make them fit into the family that we were. And it just did not work. And what we found was that we had to go off on an entirely new path and create a new path Mm. as a new family. There was grief involved in that for me, especially. But, you know, I had an idea of how a loving Christian family lives. And some of those things that I'd held so dear, I had to release. Like I could not homeschool some of my new children, it just absolutely did not work. We actually changed churches in the process because our family, as we now were, did not really fit in the church that we had been in. So we had to actually sort of grieve the losses that that family we were was actually gone, that we were not going to be that family anymore, and that God was creating something very new. And we were becoming a new family. And we were messier, but I, I have to believe, first of all, that God absolutely knew what He was doing and that He had a purpose in every bit of it. But I do know that God has made us more fruitful. You know, He's opened our eyes and our family to so many things that we would not have ever seen had we stayed in our tidy world. So I think we have to be super aware that adoption and foster care will change us, will change our lives, will change our families, you know, and to the glory of God. Mm. But it may require a lot of sacrifice and a lot of willingness to change. Mm. 
Thank you both for your honesty about your own families and your heart for your work. And obviously, we know it's impacting so many. And we want anybody who isn't as familiar to know where they can find and keep up with all the different resources y'all are offering. Can you point folks in that direction? You mentioned your website before and podcast. Yeah. So the adoptionconnection.com is probably the best place to go if you're into podcasts other than this amazing one. You can check us out over at the Adoption Connection. We do have a book that hopefully at the time this podcast airs will be out in the world. When you self-publish, it gets a little dicey because (laughs) you're your own (laughs) deadline. (laughs) But um, that book's called Reclaim Compassion, The Adopted Parent's Guide to Overcoming Blocked Care with Neuroscience and Faith. Mm. So you can find out more about that at reclaimcompassion.com. Amazing. Yes. We're going to put links to all of that in our show notes and excited for more folks to find out about what you're offering and just couldn't thank you both enough for giving us your time and for just the life-giving work that you're doing in this world. And Lisa, that sounds like one of our favorite things that's coming into your room right now. Is that a beloved pet? <laughs> My dog. Oh, you're not happy that wagging I and know, that breathing makes us weak. We have five therapy dogs on staff here at our practice. Oh, so you're just making us feel right at right home. Now. Yeah, we've got yep. one napping here to our right as well. So that's that's making yeah. us feel right at home here. What kind is yours? <laughs> She's a good girl. She is half golden retriever and half Britney Spaniel. Oh. And she loves to go for, I can't say it, W-A-L-K's. Oh, yes. Because yes. if I say it, uh-huh. the noise will increase. Yes. <laughs> we have to spell B-A-L-L-S in my house as well with my uh-huh. retriever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. We like to end every episode with something fun and food related. We do talk a lot about parenting, but we also talk a lot about tacos. So a two-part <laughs> question for you all. First part would be queso or guac. And second part would be what's your favorite taco? Guac all the way for me, for sure. Mm. I love, love guac. Uh, favorite taco. I probably love them all. <laughs> we, I have a son-in-law who is Mexican. And so we were in Mexico for the wedding and we went to a local taqueria and it was all delicious. Probably my favorite would be like a shredded chicken, but with lots of veggies. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I am also team guac, mostly because as an Asian, I'm in the lactose intolerant field. So case, I may love queso, but queso doesn't love me. And also you can't get <laughs> queso. Like we're just above the Mason. Like you can't, that's not really a thing. I spend a lot of time wow. weirdly in the Dallas area in Texas. And so like, I understand that if I lived closer to where you could actually get queso, but up here we can get good guac or we can make it, but there's something about queso that doesn't really happen this far north. <laughs> <laughs> and tacos, I love a good fish taco, but really any taco that has a lot of pickled red onions. Mm, Good choice. And pork belly. I could go with pork belly too on anything taco or otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Melissa, when I see you in Dallas soon, I think we're going to need to make that happen. All right. You know what? I'm all for it. Tucking that away. Yeah. (laughs) I love how, I mean, we could talk about parenting all day and I also could have a food podcast. Like I could talk about food. (laughs) Any time of the day or night. <laughs> we have some friends who have one called The Snack Show. Yes. Oh, that's fun. We too could talk about food all day. Then our next life, when we need something less heavy to talk about, we'll be talking about tacos and guac. <laughs> I like that. We support that. That sounds great. And maybe some home organization. I like Whoa. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
more to talk about with you two. Definitely. Thank you again for giving mm. us this kind of time. Yes, We're so grateful to you. be with you. And all the wisdom you're imparting and the hope you're bringing so many families. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, well, we are super grateful, huge fans of yours. And it's, it's truly our honor to be a part of this space and to share with your audience. So thank you. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.